So today's case is the um, Rebecca Marie Watts case. Um, it's a 2015 case, it's from the UK, and she was murdered by her stepbrother. So this case has got some complicated characters in it, should we say. It is a, um, a case that, could you have said that it, it would have happened? No, it may not have happened to Becky, but I think in the end, um, these two killers um, would have probably done it to someone. So because this case sort of starts off, I suppose, when Becky was born, really, because Becky was born um, and she had the mum and dad and they really didn't get on. And I think even by the time she was six months old, uh, the father had moved on with somebody else. But he always had a close connection with Becky and her brother. And I'm going to call her Becky, Becky Watts, uh, rather than Rebecca, because that's what she was really known as. So this relationship with um, Becky's mother and the father, had a, they had a complicated relationship anyway. And really, as I said, by the time she was six months old, that relationship was over and he had moved on um, with somebody else. Um, he continued to see Becky um, throughout the years. I think she was about two or three when he um, took over custody. But um, right up until then, he used to see his, child, his children at least three times a week. And so they had a bit of shared custody going on. When he met this new woman, she had a child. And that was Nathan Matthews. Now, Nathan Matthews was about 12 years older than Becky. But he'd known Becky, really, since she was about two years old. So it was um, a stepbrother relationship. But really, after all that time, you would have thought the stepbrother part would have dropped. But it never did in his eyes. He actually didn't like Becky. I think Becky had a brother of about four years older than her. And also he used to live between with the dad and then at the nans and stuff. Um, but the, Nathan Matthews, this stepbrother to the both of them, seemed to get on all right with, the, with Becky's brother. But he never liked Becky. I think his character, and as we go through this and we go more into his background and his character, you'll see that he didn't like Becky at all. He never had anything to do with her as a young child. I suppose because of the age difference as well, people put it down to that, that he just didn't have anything in common with her. As I said, he got on all right with the brother. That was about four, four or five years difference in age of him. But there was a big age gap here. So now we've got this family now, all living together from about when she was two or three. So they're now in this new home relationship. She still had a relationship with her mother, but now the father had full custody of her with the stepmother. And the stepmother was lovely. The stepmother suffered from uh, muscular um, dystrophy, um, or no, sorry, multiple cirrhosis she suffered with, and she, that was MS. And so she was an ill woman. You know, it's, that is not a disease that's easy to live with. It, can, you know, it comes in its stages and it can progress either slowly or quickly. So this family had a lot to deal with. This Nathan Matthews, he was this type of person that seemed to begrudge the mother having a life, I think. He seemed to get on all right now and again with the stepdad but, and with the stepbrother, but certainly not with Becky. 
Vicky had her own issues though, not so much from young, um, but as she got to around 11 or 12 as she was moving on to high school, we've talked about moving on to high school or secondary school um, for kids, they find it really, really um, difficult sometimes to move on. They may have been popular in their infant schools and as they move on now to secondary schools when you could have up to a thousand people or more, you have different characters, you have a lot of older people in there and Becky started to be bullied at around this age, which is a terrible thing for any child to be bullied. And I think Becky's bullying was so severe that it caused her to have, um, have mental health issues and especially um, eating disorders like anorexia. Now, anorexia is a dis an eating disorder, but it is a mental health illness. It affects the brain. It affects how they see themselves in the mirror. Now, Becky wasn't really overweight at all. She was just a normal girl, but she was getting bullied at school and people were calling her fat. And she took it really to heart. But you see, it wasn't just happening at school because Nathan Matthews, the step-brother, who already disliked, hated, really, Becky for many, many years, couldn't stand her, really. And I think he felt that maybe his mother was giving her more attention, you know, because she was the girl. It wasn't the case, but he saw it as that. So Becky was being bullied at school, being called names at school, especially about her weight. And then when she got home, Nathan Matthews was doing the same thing. Because then it became, this anorexia became dangerous because she had lost so much, so much weight she couldn't eat. She then um, became under social services and they have actually, and mental health teams, they have, the mental health team especially, have dedicated teams designed for um, people with anorexia because it is so hard once they start on that track, I think, of, of, of that to, to get them back to normality. There was also issues um, with Becky. She, as she started to recover from anorexia, and she did by the time she was about 13, 14, she was a lot better, she was a healthy weight, she was looking really good, her confidence was growing, she was maturing, she'd got used to this environment at her school, I think she was taking some charge of her life. And so she continued to have therapy and counselling, and a lot of things come up in this counselling sessions, and that the father was not um, brought into. I don't know why sometimes when you have these counselling services that the parents are not brought in, especially when things are being said in the counselling service that you know could make you think that there's more going on than just um, this anorexia and this bullying and stuff. She never ever said that she had been um, sexually or anything abused by Nathan Matthews, but there was definitely um, abuse in other ways where he, you know, uh, psychological abuse. Because he knew she was vulnerable, he was continuing to try and keep her down. But Becky was a very strong girl, um, willed I think, and got through it in the end and then started to bloom into this beautiful girl, very confident, and she was a lovely girl inside and out, and she um, really started to take control of her life. Now, Becky was murdered at the age of 16 by this um, Nathan Matthews and his girlfriend, uh, Shauna Hall.
they already had a child together and Shauna at the time of this murder was expecting twins. But again, I want to go now on to more about Nathan because as Nathan, he, I don't think he lived in that home at the time, I think he lived with Shauna at the time of this murder, but we'll go back a few years now and you'll see by the clip I'm going to put up from the father, um, a sort of, his character was already forming as a predator. When he was 19, he came to the house with girls in a car. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I well, thought it was one of his many pranks. So what happened that day? Well, you had these young girls. They didn't look any more than 12 in Beckett's car, four of them. And uh, he pulled up, he got out of the car. He was grinning. And they started to get out of the car. I went, what are you doing, Nave? No, I don't want, they ain't even getting past my gate, let alone go in the house. So take them back to wherever you find them, and whether it's the parents or whatever, just, you just take them back now, because this ain't funny at all. So this is, this is borderline paedophilia. Do you wish now that you had gone further with that, that you had maybe Well, I do now, yeah. But do you think that day, looking back in that, there were warning signals then? And in hindsight, yeah, there was a lot of uh, what we call warnings now. And I've been beating myself up for over a year now for not, you know, taking grasp of the situation. Time, he had this fascination on girls of that age, and we spoke before about paedophiles, and that's what he is, and a sexual predator that was um, really. Um, focused on girls that age. Now the difficulty with that is, is that the father just told him, the stepfather just told him to get out and you know, don't bring these girls back again. But then he met um, Shauna and Shauna was only 14 at the time and Shauna's mother has said that she was only 14 at the time. He continues to try and deny this and say she was 15. Not that there's any difference. She was 14 at the time when he met her. Now his character is this one of where he was um, overpowering. He spoke very sexualized to people. He likes to be the center of attention. And it was this sort of um, aggressive way about him and also the way he spoke to women and about women, especially very young girls. He had a keen interest in very young girls and that was very clear to see. So I don't know um, why the parents didn't do anything about it before, but I think they felt, they felt by just making sure he couldn't bring him back to the home or whatever. I don't think they actually thought that that was what he was really like. And I think once he met this Shauna, who was 14 at the time, the stepfather did say that she couldn't come into the house, but then there was a relationship formed. Um, in 2008, when Nathan was 21, he brought Shauna home. Tell me about that, because she, I gather, was only 15 then. Yeah, he tried telling me she was 19. I said, I wasn't born yesterday, sir. So put her back in the car and sod off. I said, I am not having someone like that in this house. We said, don't forget, we, we fought hard to get our kids out of care. We were not only fighting my ex, we were fighting social services as well. And it, was, it, it went on for ages and ages. It sounds like at that stage your relationship with Nathan had become quite difficult. We had our moments. On the whole, it wasn't bad. But... Um, yeah, no, we had our moments when uh, he 
pushed me beyond um, what I considered to be you know, a prank, see. But he was in the house because his mother was Angie? Yes. Yeah. Do you regret that now? Yes. Who wouldn't? I've lost my darling little daughter, am I? With Nathan Matthews and this keen interest in, in young women or young girls, teenage girls. From a, from, you know, and so there was a history of that really, uh, and not that was that wasn't really taken up, and that wasn't even taken up by social services or by um, in the counselling sessions. So we have this now. This man that was at a young age, he started in army cadets, and he came through army cadets, and then he went into the territorial army, and at 19 he couldn't actually cope with the army. He tried to join the um, real army, you know, enlist, but he just couldn't handle it. And a lot of people said that about him when he was in this training of stuff, if things went wrong, he would just throw tantrums and throw stuff. He was just very, very aggressive and very, very, it comes across as very spoiled. This, this man, you know, 19 and 20 to up to 24, which coming across as this, you know, throwing his dummy out, he, he, he couldn't handle any rejection or, or not being good at something. So really the army for him was over then, he couldn't do it, and um, that was him over. Nathan, Nathan really never had any real substantial job. He'd done pizza delivery, and we all have a pizza delivery man, but he couldn't even do that job. He couldn't keep a job at all. He was more focused on these young girls, and especially at that time on Shauna. She stated, and so have her parents stated, and her mum stated, that she couldn't leave the house without him. It was 24-7. He had that personality, you know, of someone that, and we've heard this a lot, even in domestic cases and stuff like this, where these partners won't leave you because they want to control. She had to ring up where she was, um, constantly tell him what was going on. Um, it's very, very, um, um, this relationship was, was not a good one at all. Now, Shauna, Shauna Hall, who was the um, other perpetrator in this crime, was, as I said, um, 14 when she met him. She had been in and out of foster homes um, and foster care for all her life, really. And, but, you know, we have a lot of people, don't we, that's been in and out of foster care all their life, but don't go on to do this. She was also this flirtatious person like him. She seemed to be easily led um, or she comes across as someone that's being easily led. She wasn't so easily led. She was a willing participant in this crime. He was sentenced, actually, for this murder, and we'll go into this murder in a little bit, to a minimum of 33 years for murder. He said that she had nothing to do with that murder, that she was there with her child in this property, and also pregnant with twins <coughs> at the time. So he wouldn't say she was anything to do with it. So she got manslaughter and she got 17 years for manslaughter, but I'll talk about that a bit later on because there's a lot more to this case. And as we go on to the murder and what happened to Becky, I wanted to sort of outline their characters first before we go into this so you can see really how sick really is the only word for this pair because of what they done, how they done it, and who they done it to. When I read, read this case, 
It reminded me of an early Fred and Rose West, how they started jointly together. Because Rose is another one that's always said, you know, it wasn't me who made me do it. Absolutely not. If you ever believe that about um, uh, Rose, then um, you're really wrong. She was a willing participant, actually encouraged um, wanted to do it. And I think that Shauna Hall was the same. She was um, a willing participant and she enjoyed it. And so I think now let's go on to the murder itself, the day of the murder. So the day of her murder was the 19th of February, 2015. Um, she was st still living with her father and her mother. There had been some issues a little while before that with, um, she'd got a boyfriend and she'd sent him an indecent image of herself, you know, as, as these young kids do, not knowing. And he was threatening to do things to her. So she was a little bit worried about her dad throwing her out or finding out about stuff like that. But actually she was quite good on that day. She, um, she was there with the stepmother, the father had gone to work, the stepmother had to go to an appointment and so she left the home about quarter past 11 on that day. Shauna was still in that house, she was still in her bedroom, um, just relaxing and doing normal things. So the stepmother left to go to her appointment. Nathan and Shauna had always popped in and come round and there was always a key under the mat for the front door to let themselves in and that's exactly what they did. They let themselves in. Now we don't really know what really happened in that home on that day. We just, no one does because not either of these pair of perpetrators have ever really told the truth about this crime. One's denied it all the time and he said, oh no, it was just an accident. Well, you know, it, it, it wasn't. So we know that they were there. We know, we know they were there about, um, about 12 o'clock time or just before 12 midday in this home. Now, when you see this clip about what Shauna says what happened on that morning, it is totally untrue. And um, you have a look at this clip and, and see what you think to this. I think we got there about 11-ish. Um, the door was locked, so obviously we used a key from underneath the recycling bin. Got in, um, heard music upstairs. Machine Becky had been in then. Mm. Um, I went into the kitchen to get a cigarette and went to go outside to have a cigarette. My daughter had already wondering because she wanted to come up with me, so I took her down to the garden to help feed the rabbit while I had a cigarette. Um, probably was about 15, 20 minutes. Um, then we came back up, I went into the kitchen get a drink, I think I was, and wash my hands. Mm -hmm. Then I heard the front door slam. Um, carried on washing my hands, went into the living room. And then I think it wasn't until a lot later on that Angie asked me if Becky had gone out. And I said, yeah, I heard the door go. She must have gone out earlier. Washing my hands, I think. I heard the door slam, uh. front door. Um, again, I didn't look at the time or think anything of it, so I didn't really kind of like, oh, what was that? It was just, it was just the door, so Becky would have gone out. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I think I've, I've accidentally got this in the wrong order here. Okay. You have to clarify this. So, right, let me just go back slightly then, yeah. if I could. The door slamming then, um, you've already said you, uh, you've got to get from the kitchen through to the living room. Yep. So, uh, 
how far away from that front door would you have been? Um, but you've got the front door, the living room, and about halfway up the hallway mm. is the kitchen. Mm. So I would have been at the sink. So no distance, <laughs> a reasonable amount, yeah. I'd say. Okay. And immediately before this sound of the door slamming, what could you hear then? Um, I think it was just CBBS again, to be honest. I was kind of more, you know, trying to make sure I had vitamins back and getting my drink. Yeah. Um, no, I heard stomping down the stairs. That's what made me think that Becky... So Shauna said that she was in the garden, wasn't she, feeding the um, rabbit or something with her child. And um, she just heard then the door slam and she, you know, stumping down the stairs. That was another bit added, wasn't it, into the, to the later on into the clip of her statement of what she was saying, her interview, what she was saying went on that morning. And then she said that um, Nathan was just about, she didn't really know where he was. And, you know, she, you know, she just thought it was um, Becky again, just walking out the door, storming out, you know, because that's what she was like. This girl on this clip, you'll see her, had murdered someone that day. She was part of it. And how much she lies. This is what these people are like. And then we say, you know, when we talk about him, Nathan, and we look at his clip of him being interviewed, crying and all, you know, Nathan Matthews claimed it was an accident, that he hadn't meant to kill his stepsister. Shauna Hoare, who was pregnant at the time, insisted she had nothing to do with it. I didn't do it, you know, it was just, it was just a constant thing. So what we assume happened, or what the police assume happened in there, is that both of them had stun guns, because it was seen after that they'd brought stun guns and you'll see this from some of the other stuff that I'm going to put up they'd brought stun guns and batteries and stuff prior to this attack this attack on Becky Watts was planned this was really well planned I think the only thing they didn't really plan was how they was going to get rid of a body but this this attack on her whether they meant to murder her on that day I'm not sure but this attack this kidnap, what they wanted to do, and torture of Becky, and abuse Becky, was planned. It was premeditated. It was planned by both. Even though they both took a child into that scene, knowing what they was going to do. We can only imagine what happened to Becky in this bedroom, because we know she was attacked in the bedroom using sun, stun guns, because both of these people had an obsession with young teenagers <clears throat> and this was going to be their first victim if they hadn't have been caught there was no way this would have been their last and if it probably i think becky's being so close to them made it easier for the police to catch them because they're not the most brightest of criminals but if this had been an abduction on the street or a kidnap off the street of a child, it may have been a little bit difficult, a bit more difficult to find them. Not impossible, but it would have been more difficult. So I do believe this is, if it hadn't been Becky, 
it would have been somebody else, but this pair would have done it too. So now we have in this home, we have this pair attacking Becky, doing things to Becky that we, we don't know, but we can assume. We have a child now wandering downstairs on its own because we both know they attacked her because why would you buy and bring two stun guns if the two of you was not going to use them? I don't know if you've ever been stung by a stun gun, but you know, really one is enough. These pair wanted to cause pain, cause harm, sexual, <laughs> their sexual satisfaction. That's what it was about. That's why she died. That's the only reason she died. He suffocated her, we know that, in that room. But she had about 40 injuries on her before her death, before she died, and that was known by the autopsy. So no matter what these people have tried to say over the years, and, and you know, they did it. They tortured her before they killed her. This was a terrible, terrible crime from someone who had known Becky for many, many years. Now, Shauna had also been in Becky's life for about 10 years, nine, 10 years. They knew, they knew her. They, you know, and it's so shocking. They knew the stepdad. This was in his mother's home just because he could. Now, the thing is with these perpetrators, once they've done this then, now they're thinking what they're gonna do with a body. So now they've killed Becky. They put Becky in the boot of their car and they've remained in that home. And they've waited for the dads, you know, to come in from work and the stepmum to come back. Because Becky, as far as they're concerned, when they asked where Becky was, Nathan said, oh, she's gone out. I don't know where she's gone. I just heard the door slam. She's gone out. And they've sat in that house for hours talking while the dead body is in the boot of their car, meters from where her father was sitting and no one knew. So Becky was reported the next day at 4 p.m. So they left it 24 hours. She was 16 years old at the time of her murder. The police were on this and when they started to talk to uh, and interview different people about, you know, Becky's disappearance because she had took a laptop and her phone was gone, there were certain items that had gone, but she hadn't took any other clothes, she hadn't said where she was going, and you'll see this from these, inter this, these clips of these interviews of this pair, that the lies, they're just the liars. And you could easily tell, and the police knew, I think, quite early on who had done this. But as I said, always now they've got to prove it. So there was a lots of appeals gone out. There was a, um, a, an online appeal, um, uh, Find Becky, and that went out to about two million people. Then the police started to look for this black car and it just so turns out that Nathan Matthews and Shauna had this black car. They then searched for CCTV and found that um, Nathan and that had brought stun guns and stuff. So suspicion was rising. So in the meantime, these pair had drove home with this body in this boot. They drove to their home, they'd taken the body out of the car. Now. Their home, I think, was probably as messed up as their mind. That's all I can say. The police have said, you know, don't forget there was a child in this house and there were two twins on the way, really, to this house. You couldn't move in this house. 
they hoarded everything. It was just um, in disarray. It was absolutely disgusting. The police could hardly get through the front door. But the only place that was clean in that house, spotlessly clean, scrubbed, was the bathroom. So what they had done, and now the police know what they had done, because no matter how much you try to clean a bath out, if you're chopping up a body um, in a bathroom, you, you're never going to get all that blood or anything away. You're just not. There's, there is loads still evidence left there. And they also, a CT, the CCTV showed that they'd brought saws, a circular saw and stuff as well after that murder. So now they know really that they had done it. One, then they hadn't found a body. Two, they knew this body was chopped up because that's the only reason. This, and they knew by that bathroom of how clean and sparkling this bathroom was and the rest of the house was absolutely disgraceful, disgusting, um, that they knew they'd done it. So they started searching different areas and in the end they found um, her body parts in bags and uh, suitcases in um, a friend's shed. Now they too was arrested. Um, they never, they've said they never knew what the body parts were, that, that there was body parts in them. They just said they allowed them to store some stuff. These people went to prison for that um, because I don't know if the jury or the judge believed whether they knew it or not. But I think one got 18 months or, or two years and one got about nine months in prison um, for hiding these body parts. So, you know, it takes a lot, you know, to cut up a body. Again, we're talking about a young child in this home when they're cutting this body up. We're talking about a woman that's pregnant. Now, DNA of Shauna was found on the saw, on the circular saw. They saw and bone all the um, cleaning stuff to clean up the bathroom. So as I said, she is and was a willing participant in this murder. This was a shocking murder. As I say, we don't know what happened in that room, but we can only guess on that day, but we do know that that murder of that child, that the, her body was literally chopped to pieces, dismembered, and put in black bags and suitcases to hide this crime, and they put it in someone else's shed. You know, it's a shocking murder, this really, when you think about it. When you have someone that was meant to be the stepbrother, this stepbrother, this Nathan, had been in this girl's life from the age of two, really, had a close connection with her. No, he didn't like her. Shauna would, um, had been in the life for a long time. She also didn't like her. It's quite obvious to tell that. But the thing is about these pair, is not even their dislike of Becky. It's his interest and her interest in young children, in young teenage girls, and their fascination to kidnap people to torture people and to sexually assault people of that age. That's what's so disturbing about this case, is because no, Shauna, there was no there was no sorry, there was no signs of Becky going to be murdered. Not really. And I think, you know, even though this man was portraying himself as and he didn't hide it, his interest and the way he spoke and the things he did. I think people don't believe, do they? Sometimes when people act like that, that they're actually going to really, you know, fulfill um, anything they sort of 
like this? Who could think this? And I think for Becky's father and the stepmother, this is a terrible crime to happen to them, really. One, because he's lost his daughter. And don't forget, the stepmother had brought up and been in Becky's life since she was six months old. It was like her child. They stayed together after this. I'm surprised they did because it must have been so traumatic for them. But these people did nothing wrong. She did nothing wrong. Her son did this murder. And this woman was an ill woman. And I think this couple have stuck together through this. Yes, they're heartbreaking. Absolutely. But as she said on some of the videos, you know, yes, she does feel love still for her son because she'd brought him up. She can't believe what he's done. She can't believe it. But as mothers, you see, when is the cut-off point? What, what, what can someone do to us before we reject our kids? I think she wanted to see him again before she died. She doesn't go and visit him, but she wanted to see him again before he died, really to tell him that she's going to die of a broken heart because of what he did. She's that distressed over it. Now, any murder has victims but it also has the secondary victims. And I think the judge said about this family of how well that they handled this. They, re they you know, they're a nice family. He was just a perpetrator, a predator. And if it hadn't have been Becky, it would have been somebody else. So he went to court, I think they went to court in November 2015. And um, I think it took the jury um, not long, about three and a half hours to come back with a um, conviction film murder. And um, he got a life sentence with a minimum of um, 33 years. Um, and he, as I said, didn't say anything about Shauna. He actually said she had nothing to do with it, but that's actually untrue. She did. But I think when you, as I said before, when you're looking at getting a charge of murder, and Shauna was at, at first arrested for murder, um, but then it was dropped to manslaughter because murder is hard to prove, especially when you have someone saying, I did it, and they didn't. So how they got Shauna was on the um, on manslaughter was to say that someone sober and someone like her at that age would have known what he was doing to Becky would have killed her. And so that's why she got manslaughter. I think they would have loved to have given her a murder charge. But if you try and go just for a murder charge and you lose, this girl would have walked free. So when you're looking at how you're gonna charge someone, you know, you can you charge at the highest because really you can easily drop it to get something but it's very difficult to go up unless there's a lot of fresh evidence that can charge that up. So usually you charge the highest and then if you have to drop it down, you're at least going to get something. Does she deserve more than 17 years? Absolutely. Absolutely she does. I think she does. I think a lot of people will agree with me on this, is that 17 years, but under the law, 17 years was quite good for what she was charged with. So he wasn't only charged with murder, Matthew, uh, Nathan Matthews was charged with um, other related counts of making indecent images. 
and also uh, an unrelated count of sexual assault and also of um, voyeurism. Now, I've said about this before, um, when we talk about um, these different offences, what they're trying to do when they're adding on the offences is because to give them more time. You, you want to keep these people in prison as much as you can. And I think um, Shauna was also, um, I think, was also charged with them crimes. Also, she was charged with, as was he, with um, the unlawful, um, you know, the dismemberment of the body and stopping a burial and all this sort of thing. They were charged with lots of different things because they add up in time, in, in prison time. So they went to um, prison. They, you know, they tried to appeal their cases as they, they do on... You know, she tried to appeal her straight away. He tried to appeal his straight away. It didn't work. It was thrown out of court. There, there is no appeal. The evidence in this case is solid. This case is a safe case. It always has been, always will be. Um, I think in this case, the law done what it could do. And I think when I've said as well about prisoners like this, that attack young children or teenagers or do the crimes what they do, when they go to prison, you say prison, you know, when you say 17 years in a prison, it's quite a long time when you go into a prison with this sort of a charge against you because you're a target then. And they both have been attacked and targeted in prison. I've said before, prison has a hierarchy and these sort of criminals are at the bottom of the level. And so they are really um, targeted by other prisoners. See, on the outside, Nathan Matthews was this aggressive, domineering, sexual predator of young teenage girls. Shauna Hall was this girl who comes across as this vulnerable girl in and out of, you know, different foster homes unable to commit such a crime, he forced her into it, or she was manipulated into it. But really, when you see the clips of her, that's not the truth. And the prisoners know this. So Shauna was attacked in prison, um, I think 2017. There was a docu documentary made about Shauna. And the prison guards allowed it to be played in prison. They forgot to block it, which is a very dangerous thing to do when you're talking about these sort of perpetrators that are in prisons with some very serious killers in their own right. Aggressive people who really have got nothing to lose because their life is anyway. So they are, once this was released, she was, I think, so badly beaten. Um, they had to resuscitate her twice. So, and I think with Nathan, there was a, um, another inmate, again, uh, double murderer, um, who attacked Nathan Matthews with a jug of hot butter or ghee, you know, ghee and they heat it up. Now, usually they get thrown hot water over them and stuff. This man 
actually heated up the ghee to so hot and he literally poured it all over Nathan Matthews' face. These people now live in fear when they're in prison. And you know, sometimes you have people that say, well, that's good, you know. And, but the thing is, it's not a deterrent, is it? Because when they're out committing these crimes, they didn't care about Becky Watts and her life at 16 as it was just taking off. They didn't care. They'd only thought about their own selfish needs for their sexual gratification, for their fantasies of this abduction and torture and assault of what we know or can assume by her injuries um, on her body at post-mortem. They didn't care about the stepfather that had brought this man up, worked to keep this man. He didn't care about his mother that already had MS and was already very ill. They didn't care about the society that they lived in. And that sometimes when you hear about these things and the papers report these things, and this wouldn't be the only attacks on these people, these are the more significant attacks on these people. But what do these people expect when they go into prison? What do they expect to be treated perfectly? To think that all prisoners are going to agree with what they've done? No. You have psychopathic killers in a prison. You have people in prison, like the man that attacked um, Nathan, had killed a 16-year-old boy himself. And then he killed a paedophile himself. And then he went on to try and really kill him. And if he had had the chance, he would have killed Nathan Matthews, without a doubt. That man died in, I think, 2017 of cancer. So that's one less they've got to worry about. So sometimes when we think about their prison sentences being low, for these type of prisoners, they have now become the people that have been targeted. They are now the people that fear for their life on a minute-by-minute minute basis in these prisons. Prison is not an easy place to be at the best of times, no matter what crime you've done. But when you've done crimes that affect a child's life, or you've taken a child's life in the way that they had done, yes, you should be in fear of your life daily. And so sometimes the punishment that the court gives them is nothing to what they're really experiencing. And so there's been lots of issues under this and you know we're never going to stop it in prison and this is English prisons other countries prisons are much much worse than what we have in this country so for these perpetrators that they they seem not to think about the consequences of when they're caught maybe they should because the perpetrate they, these victims were in fear and now it's them in fear. This has been the case of Becky Watts, this 16-year-old girl, just finally got her life back on track. Young, you know, raring to go, living life, looked great, felt great, and they couldn't stand it. They just couldn't stand it. 
and that was their first victim. But remember, and I'm telling you now, this pair would have done a lot more if they had had the chance. Plus, they had their own child in the house and two twins. You know, these twins were going to be born to these people. That's a terrible fault, isn't it, really? Terrible fault. So I wish, um, you know, um, this family well, because they had nothing to do with this crime. No one could have seen this, what was going to happen here with this crime. Not really. And um, Becky Watts' family deserve every credit for what they've done to make sure that this, you know, how, how well they've handled their, their self through this, this case and, and the murder of their child. Um, but um, give them credit for that. And I wish them all the best. And I mean no offence by anything that's been said in this video about this case. But I think everything that's been said in this case is public knowledge. It's out there. And a lot of it they've actually said themselves. So thank you for joining me for the case of Becky Watts. I hope it gives you an insight into the character. So this has been the Becky Watts case. 2015 UK, Bristol case this is. Lovely girl, lovely family, apart from Nathan Matthews and Shauna Hall, who are where they should be. And let's hope they remain there for a very, very long time.